John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We've got a couple of episodes coming over the next few days, answering some of your questions from my Instagram story the other day. I'm actually up in Queensland for the next few days, so we will still have content rolling out. Might sound a little bit different, there might be a little bit less than usual up here for a wedding for a couple of days, uh, but we will still have coaches clipboard and all that fantastic stuff coming towards the back end of the week. Uh, but I put up a QA on my Instagram story yesterday asking for your guys' questions. Could be about absolutely anything. Uh, I got four really good questions here. The first one comes from Jai Taylor. With Spencer leaving Penrith, how do you see Lindsay Smith's 2024 playing out? Very interesting question there. From Stern007, any thoughts on Mitchell Pierce's retirement after the season? From Scossel2012. Sorry, Scholas2012. Good God. Thoughts on the Alamotti and Schneider signings for Penrith. And James Hannigan, who are you picking for Queensland next year, KP or Walsh? Some cracking questions there. Let's kick off with the very first one with Spencer Lino leaving Penrith. How do you see Lindsay Smith's 2024 playing out from Jai Taylor? Yeah, uh, Spencer Lino is going to be a massive loss for the Penrith Panthers. Um, seemingly, they just seem to handle all these losses incredibly well, though. I do think that Spencer brings a little bit of a point of difference for them. Um, I think that off the bench, he's been one of the best players in the competition as an interchange player for quite some time. And I, as I've said, I've been saying it for a few years. I think that more and more people are starting to realize it now. But I think impact bench players are a legitimate position. Um, I think you need to have it in your team. And if you've got a good one, it makes a huge difference. I thought that watching the Panthers on the weekend against the Warriors, when you took Dylan Walker out of that impact, impact bench spot, um, I thought it had a huge impact on that side. Normally, he would come on in the 20th minute, and he just brings a new dynamic to the side. Spencer Lenu, when he comes on, he just wins the middle. He just absolutely dominates it. So I think they're really going to miss him. Uh, Lindsay Smith is a guy that I cannot believe how high I am on this guy. I honestly didn't know too much about him at the start of the season. Saw him a little bit, thought, okay, he's a toiler, he'll do a job. Uh, but he's become incredibly important to that side. Does he have that explosive X-factor sort of stuff that Spencer Lenu brings through the middle? Not the break a thousand tackles, but just the momentum. No, he doesn't, but the Penrith Panthers, they are able to adapt and change and work in different ways. They have got other guys in the squad that I think could play that role as well. I do think it'll be interesting to see uh, the role that Tyrone Peachy turns into, whether he turns into a bit of a, you know, a 13 that comes on the field, plays as a middle forward. You've got Lindsay Smith, who's going to be incredibly important. I would imagine... You know, a Zach Hosking, he potentially returns to the middle. Oh, we're we're going to talk about it very soon. But they've obviously signed Paul Alamotti. Now, if they've signed Paul Alamotti, you know, he could obviously play right center uh, or he could play left center. But they've obviously got Isaac Tungo because Stephen Crichton's leaving. They've also got Taylor May who wants to play center. So there's a chance here that, you know, Isaac Tungo, I, I don't think he will do it at this point in his career. But there's a chance you could see him move to the back row. And maybe Scotty Sorensen goes back to that role off the bench uh, that he was essentially the best in the game. 
game at for the last two years. So the Panthers, they've got so many options, and we'll talk about Alamotti and the dominoes that could fall off the back of that. But Spencer Lenu, he will be a massive loss, but I do think that the Panthers will be able to cover it. And I do think that Lindsay Smith, I think he's going to be in the 1-17 and week in, week out next year. Matty Eisenhuth is another guy they've got there who could come in. So the Penrith Panthers, no worries whatsoever losing Spencer Lenu. They will lose a little something, but I think they will be able to cover it. I genuinely do, and I do think Lindsay Smith will play a big role in that. Great question, Jai. Our next one, Stern007. Any thoughts on Mitchell Pearce retirement? Yeah, Pearcey, a very, very interesting character in our game, Mitchell Pearce. Um, obviously a guy that played 300. Did he get? He got to 300 games, didn't he, Mitchell Pearce? Pretty confident he did. I think he played in his last season for Newcastle. Um, a brilliant career for Mitchell Pearce. Obviously, copped a lot of shit throughout his career and whatnot, but, I mean, there's no doubt whatsoever a champion player. 309 first-grade games, obviously won the premiership with the Roosters in 2013, lost the grand final in 2010 with the Chooks. And I guess... You know, he sort of is remembered because, you know, he left in uh, 2017. And, of course, the Roosters then brought in Cooper Cronk and went on to win the next two premierships. So timing awful there for Mitchell Pearce. But, geez, I think Cooper Cronk, there's a number of teams he could have gone into and probably won a couple of premierships there. So I do feel sorry for Pearcey on that front. Uh, and, look, Pearcey, a very, very good player. You know, at the Sydney Roosters, played 10 seasons there, won a comp, went to another grand final, a couple of minor prems and whatnot in there. 238 games as a halfback for the Sydney Roosters, not easy to do. Um, I do think that Mitchell Pearce, he was thrust into the limelight way too quickly, probably before his time. Um, and I do think that he did suffer a little bit off the back of that, not only in first grade, but I think in state of origin as well. Uh, made life really, really difficult for Pearce. Um, and, you know, I, I think it is really fair to say that he was thrown into origin way too early. And I think a lot of people, you know, used to get on the back of Mitchell Pearce and used to bag him and all this stuff for playing origin. And, and I get it 100%. But at the end of the day, like, Mitchell Pierce wasn't picking himself for origin. Yeah, he, like, there has to be some sort of responsibility that falls on the head of selectors and people making these decisions. Because I think it was pretty evident to myself anyway and a lot of people that the Mitchell Pierce probably wasn't ready. And I don't think he had the right arms put around him and whatnot. And I, don't, I don't think he was properly taken care of in that arena. He was a scapegoat time and time again. And the Blues just kept on turning to him, kept on backing him. Um, and I just don't really think it was fair. I don't think Piercy was up to it at that point. And that's not, nothing against Piercy. Uh, but I think he got thrust into first grade way too early. I think 2007, I mean, the Roosters were still in serious strife, obviously uh, still reeling from the departure of Brad Fittler. Jamie Soward uh, was the next guy that was meant to be in line and do good things, and obviously he left soon after that. Brayton Astor arrived at that point. I heard Brayton Astor talking the other day on a podcast saying that, you know, he pretty much couldn't run. He just had no legs left in him. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel sorry for Piercy when his first grade career started and how much pressure was on him. I mean, you have a look at Piercy's first game. He comes in in jersey 19 in round two of 2007. Who's the halfback he has to fucking go up against? Jonathan Thurston. Um, just sort of shit. Like, and like just the career that Piercy had where, you know, he came up against some of the greatest halves of all time in the Origin Arena and they all played together, surrounded by some of the greatest outside backs of all time. And let's be honest here, like, I know back then a lot of blame fell on the head of Mitchell Pierce, but... I mean, look at the players that he had to work with compared to the players that Queensland had on the other side. Like, they had literal immortals um, who... And then we had guys that, you know, probably wouldn't make the Queensland team now, then, or 
you know, in a lot of periods of time in between that. So I feel really sorry for Pearcey. I think he's had a fantastic career. I think early in his career, I, I don't even really think he was a halfback. I don't think he was actually ready to be a first-grade halfback. Or, or like, a, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I don't think he was ready to be a top-eight team's halfback until about 2016, 2017. I think up until then, he was more of a 13 or a 9. I really do. I sort of, obviously, I wasn't doing guru and all that sort of stuff there, but it was a take that I held pretty strongly. Um, I thought he could have been a great 9, a great 6, a great 13. I just never really thought he was a halfback. I, I, didn't, I don't think he had the understanding and the grasp of the game just yet, which a lot of guys don't do at that age. Uh, but the one thing you could never knock on Pearcey was just how tough he was and an absolute competitor. And uh, no matter how many times he got knocked down, he got himself back up. Obviously, when he was younger, he, he enjoyed a good time. There's no denying that. I'm sure we've all heard many stories about Piercy. It's why it's why people love him so much uh, and why people in the game love him so much. But I just don't think he was ready to be a halfback. Being a halfback, it's not just on-field. A lot of it is, but a lot of it's off-field as well and leading aside and whatnot. And Piercy was just too young, and he just... I, I just don't think he, he, he was mature enough to handle the challenges that come with that. I think sort of when he got older, and especially when he arrived at Newcastle, he was definitely ready for that. Obviously gone over to England and, and done pretty well for himself there. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Piercy come back for one more season. Uh, where it was going to be, I'm not too sure. Was it going to be the right place for Piercy? I have no idea. But I think for me... If I was to go through career highlights for Piercy, obviously the 2013 Premiership, but the Origin Series where he finally did win through a really key pass as well. Obviously, James Tedesco scores that match-winning trial. I was lucky to be up there. But Piercy throws a really key pass um, in that passage. And I think all New South Wales fans, and I reckon even some Queensland fans would have been like, fuck, this guy has been to absolute hell and back. He's copped it left, right, and centre. Full credit to him for getting that State of Origin shield under the arm. Great to see. Obviously, there was the sledge on Mitchell Pierce years ago. Go, Jonathan Thurston telling him to have a photo with Wally Lewis in the statue. That's the closest he'd get. And it's sort of, I mean, it stung all, all of us as New South Wales fans. And I'm sure it would have rattled Piercy pretty bad. But, mate, the guy just kept getting up and going again. He copped it week in, week out from Roosters fans, from Blues fans. Everyone gave it to him and he just kept going. And, you know, throw on top of that, he's the son of Wayne Pierce, one of the most consistent footballers we've ever seen. Very different players. Uh, but, yeah, I do really do think that Piercy, for the vast majority of his career, was playing out of position. I think the early parts of his career, until he had matured, until he really had an understanding for the game and it all slowed down for him, I think he would have been better suited to playing 13, 9, even at 6. I think he would have been good there. Uh, but I, I, I often watched him when he was coming through and when he was playing, you know, as a... You you know, sub 25 year old and just went, fuck, he's got 13 written all over him, Piercy. Handy kicking game, handy passing game, tough as fucking nails. The best attribute he's got is his running game. I would have loved to have seen him sort of in those, you know, early 2010s, have a big preseason where he put on a few extra kilos and, 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 and chuck him in the 13. I think he could have been. Really, really dynamic there, Piercy. But obviously, he did go on to have a fantastic career as a halfback, and we wish Piercy all the very best in retirement. Uh, next one comes from Scholas2012. He says, Thoughts on the Alamotti and Schneider signings? I'll start with Schneider. I like it. Uh, Schneider was a guy that I spoke about a little bit during last year's preseason at the Canberra Raiders. Jamal Fogarty uh, was down to start the season. Schneider was going to come in and play. And look, I thought Schneider did a reasonably good job. Um, he's not the perfect halfback. In fact, he's another guy that I think he's 
probably not maturity wise. He's probably not at the level he just needs to be right now as a half. Uh, but there's no doubt whatsoever he's got ability. He's got a nice little running game, nice little kicking game, and uh, I think his IQ and everything will go up a thousand at the Penrith Panthers. And yeah, you know, you know the running joke they sign with the Panthers, and then two or three years later, someone will sign him for big overs. Uh, you know, we've seen it with Isaiah Katoa. We've now seen it with Jack Cogger. And I'm not saying either of those have been bad signings. Sean O'Sullivan's another one as well, obviously. And uh, yeah, you just feel like Brad Schneider's going to come in there. He's going to do well. You know he's got ability. We've seen it before. We've seen it over in England as well. So I think in a couple of years, there will be clubs after him. And I think he will get that bag. So a very good play by Bradley Schneider there. And I hope he does well because I've always been a fan. Uh, Alamotti. Very interesting. Now, for those of you that didn't get the opportunity to watch Alamotti coming through the grades and Harold Matz and SG Ball, fucking prodigy. Like, he was just untouchable. I remember I watched him play at Bankstown, at uh, Bankstown, at Belmore one day, um, and it was just unbelievable. Some of the stuff he was doing and just how far ahead of all these other guys he was. He could have played Harold Matz or SG Ball that day. Uh, he played SG Ball, and he absolutely smashed the Roosters off the park. It was a very, very impressive performance. In the rain, some of the shit he was doing, it was just... He looked first grade ready then. It really was scary, and it really was a sight to see. Um, since coming into first grade, though, Paul Alamotti, he really hasn't hit the heights that I thought he would. I thought he would explode. He has started very slow, which, as I always say, you know, I talk about all these could-be endings and all these guys, and, you know, if they don't do well in the first 10 games, people just go, what the fuck are you talking about? They're not up to it. Especially with the guys coming through now, guys, you really need to keep in mind that these fellas, they played their junior grades through COVID. They missed out on a lot of key development years. They missed out on a lot of key development years just around training and whatnot, which really took a big toll. No matter what people tell you, you know, you hear players in the preseason, they're training on their own, they're getting themselves ready. You talk to any NRL player and just ask them, what's the difference between training on your own and training with the first grade side and doing a preseason, they are it's miles apart. So there's a lot of these guys who are missing a lot of key reps from their junior development years that it's going to take a bit of time to catch up on that. And I think Paul Alamotti can really turn it around at the Penrith Panthers. I think him and Schneider will do very well. I think they'll be two very good signings. And you know what? This will sound really harsh to Canterbury, uh, but I think in a few years' time, people are going to sit there and go, how the hell did Canterbury possibly let Paul Alamotti go? And you know what? I know I'm, I'm, this is sort of defending that decision by Canterbury. What, what the Panthers are going to get out of Alamotti, I don't think the Canterbury Bulldogs could have. And I, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope I, you know I hope that Canterbury turn it around over the next few years. But I'm just not convinced that that was the right place for him once he got there in first grade. I think going to the Penrith Panthers, new challenge, new environment, and I do think Ivan Cleary and those boys can take him to a new level. And it might just take a couple. It's very hard for a young outside back to come into a team like Canterbury's at the moment that's really struggling, really have impact when all you know and all you've known for the last few years is I'm the biggest and I'm the fastest on every field I've been on for the last five years. Coming into first grade when you're always on the back foot can be very, very difficult. And I think it's pretty evident that Paul Alamotti's confidence has been really knocked around. So I like the signing uh, from the Penrith Panthers and I think it gives them... Just a few options there, especially with Isaac Tungo, what they want to do with him, losing Spencer Lenu as a bench player. You could see him move into the forwards potentially, and then you could see... Um you could see Scotty Sorensen potentially move back to the bench. I'm sort of just spitballing ideas here. I wouldn't be moving Isaac Tungo out of centre, but it does give them a couple of options. You've also got Taylor May, who I reckon is going to fucking explode next year. He's been training in the house down. He's put on a bit of size. So chuck in a Paul Alamotti, who I think will start in reserve grade. I don't think he'll play round one, to be honest with you. I think Ivan Cleary will play the long game with him, but I do think it will be worth it. Um, our last question...
comes from James Hunnigan. He says, who's your who's your fullback for the Queensland Maroons next year, KP or Reese Walsh? Sensational question. Uh, obviously, KP, oh, I mean, obviously. I mean, both fullbacks have been in incredible form. I think that they these two have probably got the two hottest hands in rugby league to finish the season. Uh, I'd probably go those two and Nath Cleary. As fullbacks, though, I think it is definitely these two. So very, very tough decision to make. I think it sort of depends on who gets the Kangaroos jersey. Uh, but I think if I'm Billy Slater, and, you know, obviously KP had a mortgage on it the year before. You know, Slater made the decision to move away from KP. Obviously had a bit going on at that point with a couple of concussions and injury, um, playing fucking 5-8 as well. Uh, who's been better towards the back end of the season? Probably KP. Uh, just because KP's probably had to do more for his team than what Reese Walsh has. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at the modern game and how it's played and how that Queensland team plays... Very hard to leave Reese Walsh out of it. So as much as I love KP and everything he does, I personally think at the moment I'm leaning towards still going with Reese Walsh. Uh, he would still be my guy. But, geez, you'd be tempted to find a spot for KP. And I don't know how you do it because they got those two hookers. It makes it very, very tough. But, uh, yeah, very hard to leave KP out of that side. And that, that's just the, the, the situation the Queensland Maroons find themselves in here. They're trying to work out. Which, are the, which one misses out on the team, Reese Walsh or Caelan Ponga? Could you imagine, like, fuck, I would give my right fucking nut to be able to pick either of those guys for the New South Wales Blues, despite all our depth at fullback and stuff. Those two are just electrifying at the moment. So, mate, in answer to that, I would be leaning towards Reese Walsh. Uh, but, I mean, the form of Caelan Ponga has been undeniable. It'll be interesting to see which direction Mal Meninga goes in um, at the end of the season as far as the Kangaroos goes. He's obviously got James Tedesco that he can pick, and I think he will pick Teddy. Uh, but he will obviously pick another fullback in that squad. So, and I mean, you know, I, I think Reese Walsh and KP, they're probably the next two best picks. Uh, but I mean, geez, if, if Dylan Edwards is holding another premiership and potentially his second Clive Churchill medal in a row, fuck, it's going to be tough to leave him out of uh, that Kangaroos side as well. So a lot more water to go under the bridge before Origin next year. I think the Kangaroos games, they'll be pretty telling. Um, and potentially you might see Edwards, Walsh and Ponga all picked. I think you can only probably pick two of them with Teddy. Uh, but yeah, very interesting times. I would be leaning towards Walsh, mate. He came in and did the job this year and was fucking tremendous. Uh, and I think Slater's found something special in him. But if you, mate, if you put me in a corner and you said it has to be KP, I'd probably struggle to argue with you. So as I said, plenty of water to go under the bridge. We'll see how it plays out. I love when you see two out and out champions fighting over the same jersey and two guys. Obviously, Reese Walsh very young, but KP. Not very old. Still got a lot of rugby league left in him, and he's finally playing his best position. I think his days of moving to 5'8 are completely done and dusted. Um, he feels like he's found a new confidence in himself, KP, and he wants to be a leader now. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting battle for the next few years between those two, one that I can't wait to watch. But gun to my head right now, if I had to guess who the fullback will be for Game 1 2024, I would be going with Reese Walsh.